I'm Terrence Steinberg, and I'm preparing to row across the Pacific Ocean from San Francisco to Hawaii to inspire a more courageous world. And I'm Zach Smith. I'm not rowing at all, but I'm here to help tell the story. I spent the past 10 years exploring the far reaches of my mind and body, first through depression and later through endurance sports like Ironman triathlons, ultra marathons, and now rowing the Pacific. With each step and even today, I found the biggest barriers inside myself, the doubts and fears and stories I had to rewrite in my heart. And each time I discovered I can always do more, that humans are infinitely adaptable. But I've also learned that knowing this myself is not enough. This time I'm bringing you with me to hopefully inspire you to believe more in yourself and in the opportunity for a better tomorrow. Welcome aboard the United Worlds Challenge. Another amazing part about the United World Challenge is that we're helping to raise money to send students to the United World Colleges, focusing on students affected by rising seas caused by climate change. We want to fuel their dreams. Last week, we talked about love as a path to grit. This week, we're going to talk about work, or at least our relationship to it. And at this time, we'd like to remind everyone listening and ask that if you have any questions, please submit them to us via our Facebook page at the United World Challenge, and we'll get to them on our next episode. And before diving in, Terrence, can you quickly share with us a few things that you've been up to in the past couple of weeks? Sure thing, Zach. The biggest thing that I've been wanting to do and just stood up yesterday is setting up the Pirate Booty page, which I'm pretty excited about. It's a treasure trove uh, that you'll find on unitedworldchallenge.org with some of the partners and collaborators making this mission possible. And as usual, lots of meetings and conversations. I've been connecting with some folks in the San Francisco Bay Area to find a slip. That's mariner term for a spot to park your boat or moor your boat, uh, where I'll keep my boat starting in hopefully January. And also I've been planning the equipment purchases so the navigation communications equipment, I've laid out what I plan to get and I'm syncing up with my boat builder about purchasing them next week. And lastly, the biggest thing here uh, is a media and film. I was contacted by a Danish filmmaker who's interested in making a documentary as well as a more abstract artistic film of the landscapes. And he's looking to fundraise to cover all of the media equipment, uh, which is pretty amazing. So those are a few of the things I've been working on. Really, really cool. I'm excited to hear more about that. But on to today's topic. In the intro to our podcast, we mentioned doubts and fears that you have to overcome. Are there any doubts and fears that you're dealing with right now that you've had to rewrite in the past couple of weeks? There's one that's really on the top of my mind. And it's the doubt or fear of story that my wins are not worth celebrating because the biggest challenge still lays ahead. Tell me more about that. Well, it's a double-edged sword, the way I kind of approach my work. I'm very, let's just say I put a lot in. And a week ago, I was at a breathwork event and in Boulder, a community event where we come together to breathe intentionally through a facilitated set of exercises. And about partway through at about 8.30 p.m., a thought popped into my mind on Friday night. That'll take the rest of the night off. 
you know, as if stopping work at 9 p.m. on a Friday is a night off. <laughs> and and I realized as that thought came to mind, like, wow, I don't really let myself off the hook very much. And at the same time, it had been a very productive week. Even if I said I was kind of spread in the past two weeks, it was productive. And yet it felt edgy for me to sign off at 9 p.m. on a Friday. And I realized, wow, I don't give myself credit for the wins along the way. So that's, yeah, that's really where I realized that I had that story going on in the background. Wow. I've got a question to, to follow up on that, but First, for those who might not be familiar, what is a breathwork event? Because it's something I've never been to. So breathwork generally is when we become conscious of our breathing and use it intentionally to alter our mental, physiological, emotional states. And an event is just an event where people come together to do it in, in a group. And I started learning this because it's a way to control my mental and physical state on my own from the ocean is the idea that this is a set of skills I can use when I'm on the water by myself. Wow. That seems really powerful. So you went through this process and you said three quarters of the way through, you made the decision to not work after 9 PM. Why was making that decision a big deal? Do you normally work past 9 PM? Typically. Yeah, for sure. Um, not always on Fridays, but at least five days a week I do. Um, often even weekends. And it was because I hadn't gotten through my list and I never get through my list. And there's always more work to be done. And the challenge I have is just saying, okay, when is enough enough and trusting that it's sufficient. And so for me, there were things I really wanted to finish by the end of last week and I hadn't. And so I felt like, okay, after this breathwork event, I'll be in a really calm state to go back at it. But actually, what, my, what I really needed and what came to me was the realization that, well, yeah, look, there's always more work, but you also need to just slow down a little bit. Where are you with that? Have you found any way to work through that drive? Because I think that's something that's relatable as well. Well, part of the reason I wanted to go rowing out in the ocean by myself is for the vast amount of space and time it provides to think and reflect and not run away, right? Don't get me wrong, the days are full of hard work, but ultimately just sitting for 12 hours a day rowing, all the thoughts that you might be hiding from are going to show up that, that I've perhaps been hiding from. And, you know, we pour ourselves into work at times because we love the work, but it sometimes is for other reasons. And I know that I love this project and I love what it can create. And I also know that I don't know everything about it or why I've chosen it. And I think there's something bigger that'll happen when I'm on the water and I, there will be the space for new ideas to show up and new self-awareness to come from that. You said that being able to deal with it will be important on the water. Now this is five months away and you're going to be shipping off to Hawaii is there something specific? Is it the breath work to control yeah. that? Yeah, it is. Because here's the thing. We try and cognitively understand these things. And when we're using the same cognitive processes, it's like that quote from Albert Einstein, you can't solve a problem with the same thinking that created it. Mm. The breath work 
shuts down your cognitive mind. That thought, that realization that came to me wasn't me thinking through and analyzing of like, oh, I have this much to do. Well, I have that much time tomorrow. It was just intuition that came into my body and was like, okay, this is what needs to happen right now. And it's by completely pushing out any space for cognitive analysis, like through breath work, where you gain an emotional awareness through your body that can bring up ideas that that are so crystal clear. And, and so that's really how, you know, how to access that and how I'm accessing it in my daily life. And, and, and I don't do it every day, but I'm trying to do breath work on my own in the mornings because it helps me get clear on, on things from a more of an emotional level, right. Without having to, having to think through it, it just comes to me. Sure. How did that feel? There's a difference between getting that and then trusting that information to go with it and act on it. Did making that decision have an effect on how you felt about the rest of your evening? There's the immediate feeling and the longer term feeling. Immediately, it was like an aha, like, oh, that feels good to have that awareness. And oh, it feels good to realize I am getting a lot done and I should give myself a pat on the back. But once that night comes and goes, you know, then it's hard not to fall back into the same pattern, especially when I know I'm a little bit addicted to the productivity boost and the dopamine release that comes from like, kick, you know, uh, finishing a task, especially when I really am committed to. And that's why I spent, you know, Thanksgiving doing a 12 hour day. And so, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? So like awareness is different than transformation. And I'm not going to pretend that like that insight changed my life yet because it's up to me to decide to change my life with that awareness. So what I, what I will say, Zach, is I worked hard yesterday. I'm going to work hard today. And tomorrow I'm taking the day off. I mean, I mean, maybe that's not like edgy. It's a Saturday. But for me, it's edgy, right? I'm taking the day off. I'm going to give myself a pat on the back for what I've gotten done. And I'm going to go have fun, you know? And so Good for you. it's not, it's not, uh, the story's not over. I'm still having to integrate. Oh, it never is. You know what I mean? Yeah. What you just talked about in taking a break on Saturday as being edgy for you, there are some people who would say, if you know, you work eight hours and once you're done with work, boom, you're out and your evening is to yourself. You don't think about work. You don't answer calls. And that's how they decide to balance their work-life relationship. So do you think you have a healthy relationship with work? Not specifically your job, but work itself. I, I really don't like the the word work is is part of the issue here. Like a lot of people would define work as something you're paid to do. Well, guess what? I'm definitely not being paid for the United World Challenge. I've put in a massive amount of money into it. So like, is that work? You know, it's a hobby. It's in a sense, but it's my life's work. This is, this is helping me become who I want to be. This is helping me create a world that I believe in. So it's work in that regard. I think the question is, are you doing work as a means to an ends, which I'm like no judgment of that, or are you doing it because it's what you feel is your calling at that time? And even so, like, let's say you are doing work that is your calling. There's still a balance there, right? And I, I don't think my balance is perfect um, because I do reach points where I'm, I'm kind of forced 
to take a day off occasionally because I just feel burnt out, like honestly. So I, I won't say that my relationship is completely healthy, but when I can approach the work from a more trusting place to know that one, I'm working on the thing that's most important. Two, I'm not getting tripped up over whether or not I'm going to get the result I want. I'm just doing my best and accepting that. And three, viewing it less as work and more as play. Like I get to do this amazing challenge because I'm privileged in so many ways and to be grateful for the things that the blessings in my life and view this work as me getting to play in the world the way I want to. And then, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't feel so much like work, but still they're playing by sending emails and setting up calls is not the same as playing by running up a mountain. So I think I do need to pull in a little more balance with just more outdoor time. You know, based on what you just said, have you heard of a guy named Bill Copperthwaite? No. No, who's that? Gosh, he's a, a thought leader and craftsman who lived in Maine, and he wrote a number of books. And a book of his that I have is called A Handmade Life. And it's a bit of a manifesto and part autobiography. And I want to read you a little something from it and see what your thoughts from it are. He says, work is an interesting and tremendously exciting learning tool when undertaken voluntarily and in ways that do not cripple the spirit. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I definitely agree with the learning tool opportunity. And that's really what I love to get out of work is to grow. But I feel like... <laughs> Aiming for work to not cripple the spirit is setting a kind of low bar. <laughs> like, dude, if we're just trying to get through life without being crippled, I'm sorry, that that's not there yet. I would, I would say it's better than a lot of work that cripples the spirit. There's a lot of that out there. But I feel like for me, the piece that resonates most is, yeah, interesting, tremendously exciting learning tool when, when it's something that makes you come alive you know, where it doesn't feel like work, where it's something where if you get a day off, this is what you're going to go choose to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's not every hobby or every passion in our lives. Like I might choose to grow a garden, but I'm not going to become a farmer. But some of the things in our world that we are drawn to, maybe there's something there that is a piece of our work or our calling. So I think I agree with part of what he says, but I'd like to aim a little higher. Yeah, he actually had four criteria that he marked out as things that make work valuable to him, and I'll get your thoughts on those. The first one was to be physically and intellectually challenging. Secondly, encourage creative thinking. Third, advance the cause of a better world. And fourth, provide for basic needs. Well... Provide for basic needs is quite basic. Um, the creative piece, yeah, that speaks to growing. Ultimately, the part that really resonates most is uh, being part of building a world that we believe in. That's where you're going to feel called to bring your whole self to that work. And so, I mean, that's what inspires me. That's what this is about. Yeah, absolutely. That's what drew me to the project. So here I am. Awesome, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, this project is a big passion project for you. But is there work that you could find enjoyment out of from some of that perspective 
that you might normally or might not normally find that fulfillment out of. And as as Bill implies by that statement, work that might be involuntary or work that you might find mundane, how could you use some of that to get through that work? I think it's coming back to the purpose, the why, right? We might lo- not love the task at hand. I might not love the emails I'm sending, but if I remember, and I do, why I'm sending it, what can come from this, what our goal is, then it's less the task and more what the vision is. And and so then it becomes creative and enjoy enjoyable. Yeah, clearly that's not an important word in my vocabulary. Uh, I don't even know how to say it. <laughs> um, it, becomes, it becomes enjoyable, right? So for me, you know, I, I share this in our last episode a little bit as well about like love is the path to grit. You might not love what you're doing, but if you love why you're doing it, then you'll have what others see as grit. Yeah, totally. And when you're on the ocean, you're going to need that grit because as far as work, you're going to have a ton of different things, but really there are going to be a lot of times when you have one thing that you need to do and that is row (laughs) and row more and row some more. And sometimes it's probably going to be tempting to view that as involuntarily because you chose to get in it, but it might feel trapped at times. Yep. And there'll be times when it might feel crippling. Yeah. How do you plan on flipping that narrative in your head when you're in those moments so that you view that work as a blessing, enjoyable, and something to learn from? Part of it, well, I'll say there's there's two parts, right? There are cognitive things and then there are non-cognitive things. So cognitive things are just reminding myself, making the decision to remind myself that I'm lucky to be out here, right? And taking a moment to look around at the amazing things that I see, whether it's wildlife or just the force of the ocean and how powerful it is and being lucky enough to witness that and experience it and remembering also why I'm doing it, right? To help people feel closer to our oceans, raise awareness around plastics, to send students to United World Colleges and reminding myself cognitively of those things. That's one the other is, you know, that, that breathwork piece and, and whatever other modalities and techniques I can learn to get out of my head back into my body and let gratitude flow into me without my mind being in the way. And yeah, it's, those, it's really those, those two things. But the other thing, Zach, is I don't yet know. <laughs> I'm going to find out when I get out there. Yeah, it's different for everybody. You know, I talk to other ocean rowers, but everybody's a different person. So we'll see what works for me. Do you think there's something in that that can be applied to everyday life, not just the life of someone who's going to row an ocean? Yeah. I mean, the other thing is just taking pleasure in the small things, you know, like (laughs) definitely when you're on the ocean, you're so hungry that every bite is awesome because you're like, oh my goodness, nutrition. But we can experience that in our daily lives as well. Just slowing down to enjoy the meal we're eating. Look, I feel a little bit like a hypocrite saying this because I like eat standing up while working, but it's a reminder to myself to slow down and just appreciate the little things because ultimately that's all that life is made of. And yeah, the big things are what make the headlines, but like day to day, the things that really light us up and make us feel loved and 
make us feel present. It might just be a smile from someone or a hug or some little small moment where we were more courageous because of something we said or a decision we made. And that's just the small ways we show up. And they're every day and every moment I feel like is an opportunity for that. Absolutely. That leads perfectly into uh, really the last thing I want to touch and to tie this back into the whole reason for this project, which is how does all this inspire a more courageous world? I think the biggest way we can be courageous is being honest to ourselves. Like, I know that's the case with myself, right? Like, there are things I know I need to do or things I'm not admitting to myself. And courage is first recognizing that that's a thing. And slowing down enough to create space to realize that. What's the date? It is November 29th. On December 30th, it'll be one year since I drank alcohol. I was, uh, for a couple of years, starting to drink way too much and watched myself do that, realized it was becoming a problem. And it took a while before I was willing to admit it's a problem or rather admit that it's something I want to do something about. And like slowing down to appreciate the small things and being courageous enough to say, hey, I'm going to take a chance here. I'm going to do something that may not feel easy, but I know is the right thing for me or is the right thing for the world. And so I think the way this inspires a more courageous world is first, just being honest with yourself. You don't have to share it with anyone else, but create time to be with yourself and understand what what is courageous for you or where you need to go to feel fulfilled and to live a fulfilling life. Very cool. I think it's about time that we sign off for the day and I want to start as always by thanking everyone listening all of our crewmates friends everyone out there for being a part of this project if this is your first time I want to welcome you and hope that you found something that you can apply to your own life because after all you are a big part of what and who this is really about we're happy to announce that you can now find the podcast on iTunes and pretty much all of your favorite podcast apps. For all of you Spotify junkies, we're still working on getting it out on Spotify. Just a few more episodes to go. Now, Terrence, I think it's time to remind everyone that if they want to get involved, how do they do that? Whether you're new or you've been with us for a while, if you're looking to get involved, there are a few ways. One, support our mission to inspire a more courageous world make a donation to the challenge or visit our pirate booty page and that is at unitedworldchallenge.org you can also support our mission to send students to united world colleges with our uwc scholarship fund visit the mission page on unitedworldchallenge.org you can get involved personally offer a skill or time or connect us to a partner for equipment services or media and lastly inspire a more courageous world tell your friends share the story and show up with courage until next time and always keep believing in yourself and those around you together we're rowing for a better tomorrow all right cool thanks terrence all right everybody thanks for listening
Thank you. Bye. The music for this episode comes courteous of the artist, and you can find him by going to soundcloud.com slash thecuriouskid.